Is the National Human Trafficking Hotline really doing the work to help stop human trafficking? Or is it actually interfering with and inhibiting law enforcement's ability to catch traffickers? A new independent audit of that hotline raises serious concerns. I reached out to the hotline for comment on this audit and received an automatic reply pointing me to this webpage that shows they received about 51,000 signals from victims and tipsters just in one year alone, and that the vast majority of their tips were in regards to sex trafficking. But what they actually did about those tips is exposed partially in this new report. My friend, independent journalist and founder of the Counter Trafficking Alliance, Natalie Denise, spent months investigating the National Human Trafficking Hotline. She uncovered startling findings on what the hotline Hotline is really up to. She came out with a report on her findings, and Natalie joins me now. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your platform. Absolutely. This is a shocking report you have. Tell me how your investigation began. Yeah. So I actually started my organization two years ago, and, you know, I think the approach initially was it felt different. Like I want to do something different. I don't just want to start another safe house. I don't want to just do every the same thing that many ministries are doing today. I want to actually approach this differently and more holistically. And the initial idea, which is still the project, is to centralize all of the human trafficking victim needs, such as, and they can be something as little as uh, feminine products, groceries, it can be therapy services. Uh, we basically wanted to be a resource to connect victims to that. And so, uh, and also for the public to know where they can reach out and help out. And when I initially put out the call, um, and this is on my Instagram counter trafficking Alliance, anybody can go see that video from two years ago, uh, then I actually attracted a ministry partner and she is out of uh, another state. She intakes survivors in her own, you know, her own care with her own money. She was like, this is perfect. I, I love what you're, you're wanting to do. We need it desperately. And so we discussed a little bit and I was like, okay, so how do we launch? Where do we identify the gaps? And she said, well, one of the first things that you can start with is actually looking into the National Human Trafficking Hotline. And this was a bit startling for me because I was like, wait, this is the hotline that is promoted, you know, in airport restrooms and in salons, you know, uh, pretty much everywhere. Shout out to the sponsor of my coverage. The U.S. debt spike could ignite a long-term rally in gold. And here's why. Since March of 2020, the U.S. added another $8 trillion in debt and gold is up 50%. Now with the Fed raising rates, the interest payment on our debt has surpassed $1 trillion annually. BRICS nations met last month and oil-rich nations Saudi Arabia and UAE have joined Russia, China, and India. 51% of Americans can't pay their credit card bills, which just surpassed $1 trillion for the first time in history. If this is build back better, increased spending and regulation is likely to continue through 2024. 
Buying gold and silver is a strategic play that several countries are doing today. Who's looking out for the little guy when the government doesn't? Isn't it time to take a look at gold and silver now? Call America's own precious metals company, the National Gold Group today. Mention my channel, Ivory Hecker, and you'll always get best-in-class service from America's conservative precious metals leader. National Gold Group has the IRA fee waiver program on qualifying rollovers. Call 888-617-5927. National Gold Group is a consumer affairs top rated gold IRA dealer. 888-617-5927 number down in description. Remember, there's always a risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results. It's like the staple number. And she was like, yeah, she was like, you know, the victims that I service pretty much all say the same thing when they experience the hotline. And basically it boiled down to a lot of the survivors or victims were calling into the hotline. They were waiting for at least 40 minutes to over an hour. They weren't getting the resources that were advertised. And so this was a big concern. So we started there. That's how we started. Okay. Then you dig further. You, you, your, your red flags came from victims, families of victims, organizations that attempted to collaborate right. with, with the hotline, which is founded by Polaris mm-hmm. and previously employed staff. There were also blowing the whistle on this. Right. Right. We looked everywhere, right? We wanted, uh, uh, here, here's the thing. We, let me step back and just uh, preface what I'm going to say. When we suspect, because a lot of people, uh, it's not bad to conspiracy theorize, right? We, we need to do that. But a lot of people kind of just dismiss the hotline and say, because they're, they're associated with the Clintons. And it's like, well, hold on. We can't just brush that and, 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 and resolute the, the problem with just if they're associated with the Clintons. We've got to look at them with different types of lenses. What do their financials look like? What are their internal operations look like, right? And so that's that's how we approached it. So, you know, even in the intro, that was like the cherry on top that bipartisan attorneys general across our nation actually blew the whistle themselves and said, hey, there's something wrong with this hotline. They aren't supporting law enforcement the way that they are advertising that they support law enforcement or sharing crime tips. So there were so many little pockets of problems that we just kind of comprised together. We just needed to, it took us about two years to really look at everything holistically. Wow. And you have this full report on your website, which I'm linking down in my description, Mm -hmm. Polaris Project Profile. And you have some of the documents you you referred to the attorneys general. Right. Uh, Here's, their letter saying, we're concerned, um, recently came to our attention National Human Trafficking Hotline, which Congress has funded for 15 years, is not reporting tips of adult trafficking to state law enforcement. Right. So right. they were serious, serious. They, they connected with victims who tipped them off about something serious, and they... And the hotline hid that from law enforcement. Right, right. So, so basically, uh, if you continue down the letter uh, on the second page, 
I don't think I have it in this article, but uh, the the second page. Oh, there it is. Actually, it basically said that it started off with the uh, the state of Mississippi. So uh, Attorney General Lynn Fitch actually had a a victim reach out to their office. Somehow they they you know uh, got in touch and um, they learned that you know there was a certain thing that was going on where they were like, okay, well you call the national human trafficking hotline. And, you know, they, they later found out that that tip was not shared with their law enforcement. And in this letter, it states that a lot of times the national human trafficking hotline would get these crime tips and they would not forward it to law enforcement, to the respective state law enforcement one or two months after the incident was called in. And if we know anything about you know, the processing of an investigation, you kind of need to know that information pretty fast in order to, you know, find the trafficker, recover the victim. So this is pretty dire that they were not sharing crime tips with law enforcement to the extent that, hello, this is a bipartisan, 36 attorneys general, bipartisan attorney general blew the whistle and uh, submitted this to congressional leadership. Wow. And so when, when the CEO of, of Polaris, which again is the owner of the hotline, mm-hmm. when she was confronted about it, it says here that they, they have just transitioned away, quote, okay. transitioned away from serving as a tip line to concentrate more on connecting survivors with resources. Right. Exactly. And see, that's, that's what's a little bit confusing. Um, you know, ha- how do you just get away with, oh, by the way, we're not doing what we advertise to do, right? These are on posters. These are federally funded incentives uh, to help victims of human trafficking. How are you just going to automatically uh, decide one day we're not going to be that res- that uh, that crime tip line either, especially this was a part of their criteria in receiving federal funds. I believe it's on the H it's the HHS that grants them their, their funding. And in order for them to receive these funds, one of their criteria is sharing that resource with law enforcement. So this is a bit confusing a little later, uh, a few months after, you know, the, the, the letter was written to congressional leadership, Polaris project then said, Hey, you know, because they were actually CC'd in the letter. They were like, oh, we, we need to press release this and just kind of clarify what, what we're doing. Um, and then a little bit later, represented, there were two representatives in Florida, uh, bipartisan. They proposed a bill to enhance the National Human Trafficking Hotline and force their hand to share these uh, crime tips to law enforcement, where to me, I'm like, so what is this like a slap on the wrist? Because this is what they were supposed to do this entire time. And now you have to create legislature to make them do their job. It's crazy to me. Yeah, you also reported, you had documents in your report that Congress just this year reauthorized $3.5 million per year through 2028 going to this hotline. Right. Yeah. So and- they're getting a ton of our tax dollars. Yes. And yes. what are they actually doing with it then? Exactly. And and see, this is this is it, it, bringing it back to the very genesis of our project. This was the this was the point. It was like, you know, 
pre-COVID, uh, there was a tally uh, by an, another organization that I know of. And uh, because I had like a, a, a personal uh, relationship with them, I was like, hey, you know, this is what we're we're trying to do. Do you by chance have or know where I can get data on, you know, how many beds for survivors are in the nation? And she was like, actually, she was like, my, uh, I actually hired some interns to do this information, this, this tally this is a completely divine connection. And she shared me um, her data and it, she tallied about 868 safe survivor beds for victims of human trafficking in the nation. Okay. This was pre COVID 868 beds. Now, if we really think about this, like think about this, we have about 3,500, I believe, animal shelters in, in America, multiplicative to how many spaces that, that they hold. So if one shelter has like 200 spaces, then imagine that multiplicative to uh, 3,500 spaces. There are more animal shelter spaces in America than there are for human trafficking survivors. So if we're, yeah. And so if we're, if we're really thinking about this and applying it to, to the, the amount of money that the government is funding this hotline, as well as other organizations that I've never even heard about, where, where are all these resources and, and beds for human trafficking survivors? And that was, that was the point. It was like, why do we not have this many resources and why, where is all this money going? So that's what kept us fueled in, in what we were discovering. So what did you ultimately find out? Oh, well, a lot, right? So we uh, went through, you know, first of all, the initial concerns, the testimonies, um, you know, the wait times were obviously consistently uh, very lengthy. And uh, furthermore, I think really what is illustrative and damning is their financials, right? So we looked into their 990 tax forms uh, over all of their, their, their course of, of existence. And we really detected a few crazy things like, you know, for instance, their CEOs and their executives getting paid uh, pretty, pretty steep uh, paychecks, right? And especially uh, illustrating uh, in 2018, one of the CEOs getting a pay increase whilst I believe they're, uh, they, they were actually under that year um, as far as revenue. So that's kind of strange, right? So you're getting a pay increase uh, in 2018 when your your revenue and your income is underneath. Like that doesn't make sense to to me, or it wouldn't make sense to donors. Uh, and then also, um, let's just talk about also the uh, non. I, I I would categorize this thing as a like a pro bono, non cash revenue. I guess we can call it that. I think that's what is classified on the 990. So. Companies like Lyft and Delta and uh, all of these companies were sponsoring some sort of service to Polaris Project. Okay, how do we account for that, right? Where is it showing up for survivors? Um, Delta, fly, for instance, Delta donated, they created this opportunity for their customers to donate Sky Miles uh, to Polaris Project. Well, that d- isn't really accounted for after 2017 when it was announced, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, you can't really account for that because it's not really found on their 990. So hmm. where is it going, right? So it, it little things like that. that so just basically Delta was donating free flights to help 
move victims. That's what you would think. That's what you would think. But that's precisely my point. You, you would think that, okay, these victims are getting free flights and transportation, but it's like, how, how do we know that? How do we know that this genuinely went to victims? And uh, that it's it's genuinely being allocated to victims. We we just don't know that. And it's not really transparent if that's really happening. What were the former employees saying was really happening there? Oh, so consistently, there were so many employees uh, that gave grievances to uh, their their job. Uh, the most common uh, feedback that we saw were things like, um, you know, that they were, their positions were being like kind of uh, glass ceiling positions. Uh, The promotions were very biased. The pay, oh, the pay was crazy to me. Um, And I'll get to that part, but understaffing, overworking, high turnovers, low pay. Um, There was one testimony from uh, one of these former employees, uh, and this was back in 2022. So this was not long ago, where they said, Hey, um, the CEO salary in 2019 was around 150,000. The hotline supervisor salary, 55,000. The hotline advocate salary, 40,000. Well, guess whose salary increased over the years? The, yeah, the CEO. So they're saying now I can't verify these figures because we don't have the, uh, 2022 990 taxes available to the public quite yet. But the, the former employee, and by the way, anybody can go to countertraffickingalliance.com to, to view this, this report. This is the second uh, page. But this employee is claiming that the CEO salary in 2022 was $350,000, while all the other salaries that I listed out, the hotline supervisor and the uh, hotline advocate salary stayed the same. So it's pretty hard to survive on a $40,000 salary. I'm saying, and these people uh, live in, I believe in DC. They, I believe the, their headquarters is in Washington, DC. So, you know, we live in Texas, uh, the, the, the living, the cost of living is completely different up North than it is down here. So, I mean, the, it, it's just, it's so ironic because they're fighting against human exploitation and it sounds to me that, and this is just based off of their testimonies, that their employees are not being appreciated enough, as well as not not really paid a lot either, while their CEOs do get increases and their leadership get increases. And that's also another another thing that was consistent. You know, these testimonies kept, um, they, they had this consistent report that th- there was a disconnect. Leadership wouldn't listen to the employees' feedback and that there there was nothing but like maybe favoritism towards the leadership and management uh, sector of their company. I, I don't know. It, it sounds like it's a hot mess, but it was a consistent hot mess from employee to employee from what we found. Wow. Uh, well, the fact that they wouldn't report you know, huge trafficking tips to law enforcement as the attorneys general raised that concern. You know, that is very alarming because you would hope that people who work there really have an, they really care about these people and anything to stop it is easy as, Hey, police, we just found this tip um, that they wouldn't do that. Now, do you think, did you find anything that showed that they were 
somehow complicit in trafficking? Um, I, I can't say directly. Yes. Uh, that they're, they're, uh, complicit now. I think more so their, their lack of action is maybe contributive to maybe some complicitness. Uh, now there was, um, how do I word this? Uh, We have a data portion of the, uh, of our report where it's a bit troubling because you know the the person calls into the hotline right and i know i know what they asked because i had to call in 2017 because of a, a of an incident uh i had to call and i was like um you know i want to report this that might have happened to uh, that could have happened to me or whatever and so they asked me every single detail like what's the name of the person where where are you at uh basically everything pretty much uh, every timeline and detail and they said that they were do- they would document it. Well, you know what happens to that information, right? Where, where where does it go? Where how does it get processed? We saw that they were affiliated with this company called Palantir, which is used in these big name DHS contracts. They are affiliated with all of these arms of the government, the three letter agencies, literally the three letter agencies. Uh, of which the uh, CI Apple, right? I don't want to say it out loud, but them, uh, they actually, it looks to be that they helped them onset their start at Palantir. So it's it's kind of weird because this is like a high level surveillance software that helps out in battle tactics. Uh, They are advising the Ukraine uh, situation right now. I mean, it's just crazy because there's just so many other different branches. So I, it, it, the most troubling part is that there is a big unknown about that. How does the information that gets called into the hotline, how does it get processed? And actually, one mother had a concern about that because her daughter, and this is uh, on the second page on the testimonies and grievances, her daughter was actually trafficked and she called the the uh, NHTH uh, National Human Trafficking Hotline many times to report all of the movements of her daughter because she was tracking her on on Backpage.com when it was um, active, and the uh, the hotline basically took all that information and it was like uh, license plate numbers, hotel names, hotel numbers, names, all locations, all of these things, and later down the line, long story short, they couldn't help her daughter. Her daughter is feared to be dead now, you know? So it's like, what happened to all of that information? How does it get processed? You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, there's a big mystery and it's it's a bit sinister wow. in my personal opinion. So yeah. she probably should have just been contacting law enforcement directly. I mean, is that yeah. is that what you're kind of getting to? Yeah, and and I get I get the reluctancy because, you know, I I myself, when I had to call in 2017, uh, I was actually in Los Angeles and uh, something had happened that it felt wrong. Like it felt like something was could have happened to me. And I didn't want to call LAPD. Like that was just that was a personal thing of mine. I was like, I just don't want to call LAPD. And it's actually ironic because Palantir, uh, who, who did it? BuzzFeed News did an article that I'll send you afterwards. Uh, they did an article detailing that the LAPD uses Palantir to document all of these things 
about, you know, anything that processes through their department. So any, anyway, I, I personally, I didn't know any of that, right? Of course, in 2017, I wasn't even, I think that red pilled, um, I was aware, but I just had an instinct to not call that, that, uh, the, the police. So I get it. I do understand. And I get it. I, I can definitely resonate with that. However, um, Yes, I would 100% with what I know now, I would 100% call local and state law enforcement and report these things rather than the hotline. That's just my personal opinion from what we've seen and from all of the testimonies that we've gathered, which were not a lot. um, And especially with what the employees are or former employees are reporting, I would not trust my information to this hotline. That's just my personal opinion. Wow. Well, thank you for uncovering this. And yeah, I I agree. I think you gotta try reaching out to law enforcement. I know people are skeptical. Yeah. uh, Of does law enforcement really care about this issue? And I think a lot of law enforcement does. And actually, there was a woman who witnessed young girls who were trafficked in Houston last year and did Mm -hmm. not report it to law enforcement didn't tell anyone until she mentioned it to my friend who's also an independent journalist and he said what do you you didn't tell him and so he has to you know he you know we contacted police then they hadn't heard of it um so but those kids could have been helped so i think yeah you you at least gotta uh, yeah i mean here's the thing we this is uh, this is what i want the viewers to take out of this, like there are bad apples in every single industry, right? There are bad apples in the police force. There are bad apples, uh, obviously in our government, <laughs> in the, the school system. And, you know, it doesn't matter what industry there are always going to be rotten apples. However, there we're still a, a nation of laws and we're still a nation of, of order, right? Uh, although we can probably argue the uh, otherwise right now. Um, but there's, we're still a nation of laws. And if there is any hope in getting something resolved, investigated and busted, it's by law enforcement. That's how they, they do these things and bust. And I know this because of my other platform, the daily traffic, where I look at these headlines on a daily basis and I, and I see how, how they uh, make the stings and, and the busts and their arrests. Well, they have to work together. A lot of these uh, police agencies work together to create the stings and the bus. They have to collaborate. And sometimes they have to collaborate uh, with the three-letter agencies. There are some good people that are still... uh, And I know people, they they take this and they they completely brush it off. They're like, no, everybody's corrupt. There are good people in the the three-letter agencies. I know that there are corrupt ones, but there are still good ones. There are still good ones in the police forces. And there are departments that actually do care and they do want to resolve these things. But in order for them to do it, they need a data. They need this information. And so if a big agency like the National Human Trafficking Hotline is not going to do it, well, we've got to change course and we've got to help our own police agencies investigate these matters. And you can do that by reporting what you need to report to them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And guys, Mm -hmm. you can look at Natalie's full report countertraffickingalliance.com um and natalie denise on youtube yes 
are you you're working on a video uh, like a documentary version right I am yeah I'm almost done editing part one it's like in total it's like three and a half hours okay. <laughs> so I was like I gotta break this up so part one will be available pretty much probably in a, about a week I would say so yeah guys check that out and uh, wait on the second part as well and when I do put it out please do share it with uh you know your groups, your, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, wherever you communicate your information, because a lot of people need to know this and they need to actually take this up with their local representatives because it affects not, not us on a federal level, but also a local level, your neighbor down the street, your little cousin, your little sister will, will, God forbid they ever have to ask for help, but they got to know what might be going on with this hotline. Okay. So yeah, it just awareness, awareness, this needs to spread and more people need to know about these things. So thank you so much, Ivory. I really appreciate you putting me on your platform. Well, thank you for digging and getting the details. Um, yeah, all the best you. to you. And we will talk very soon. At least my friend, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.